I feel like we've already had a wonderful morning. Amen. It's been a great, a great time together uh, this morning and uh, around the uh, around the praising of our Savior. And uh, now we come to to the, the most I think the most special part of, of any service is when we come around the Word of God and we open the Word of God. So turn if you would to First Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll continue in our study there. We've been walking through First Corinthians. I don't even remember now when we started this. It's been quite a while, but we're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to the end. A lot in this book. We've still got a, a, a lot to cover, but a lot in this book. And it's so practical. Uh, this book is so practical because Paul is dealing with problem after problem after problem in this, in this church in Corinth. And, and uh, it, it just feels like some of it is so timely for us today. Because we, 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 we as the body today, we still have problem after problem after problem within the church. You know, I had a pastor said one time, where there are people, there are problems. Amen. Amen. But he said this, he said, where there are problems, there are opportunities for biblical solutions. And when we have biblical solutions, we have opportunities for greater growth. And when we have greater growth, we have more people. And when we have more people, we have more problems. Okay, so you see where that's going. But the, the, the answer to it is not that the problems will ever all go away. The problem is we always handle it biblically uh, through the Word of God and the way God would have us to do that. So uh, as we continue, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin with verse 12 today. And so um, as we continue this study, you know, this is the first letter that Paul wrote there to the church at Corinth. And he's addressing the issues that were in the church He's answering questions they wrote to them. We wish we had the letter, right? There, there's, we, we know there was a letter written to him from the church that was stating problems, addressing issues, asking questions. We wish we had that letter. We wish we knew exactly what questions were asked, but we don't have that. But we can draw from, from Paul's responses. We have a really good idea of what was going on in the church and the problems there. And so that's what we're reading this. And so we've come to the passages here. We started last week, chapters 12 13 and 14 are, are, are going to be, it's one of the largest passages, actually the largest passage that we find in Scripture that deal with spiritual gifts. So as we're dealing with the passages from 12 through 14, all of this goes back to the topic of, of spiritual gifts. So we have to keep that in mind as we work through it and then put all that together. So what, what we're finding here is as, as Paul is dealing with spiritual gifts, and, and so what he does, he lays out what they are. What are the spiritual gifts? How are they given? Why are they given? And, and, he, and he also looks at the problems that arises from the misuse of spiritual gifts of these things. And especially concerning the gift of tongues that we'll find out later uh, later on in, in this section of these passages. We're going to find that Paul really is laying foundation right now for addressing the problems and the abuses that were going on in the church with the gift of tongues. And we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. We'll understand that better as we go. So the, uh, to properly understand spiritual gifts, though, we have to properly understand the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, If we're going to properly understand spiritual gifts, if we're going to understand what he's talking about, then we have to properly understand the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are many figures of speech that describe the church. There, there are, there's, the church is described as a building. And, uh, and the members of the church are, are building blocks in that building. And Christ is the foundation. That's one of the pictures that we see in Scripture. Another, the church is described as, as a bride, with Christ himself being the bridegroom. But the figure of speech that we're talking about today is this, that the church is described as a body. 
The church is described as a body with Christ as the head, and we, that's you and me, that's born-again believers, being the members of the body, being the parts. We talk about a member. My hand is a member of my body. My arm is a member of my body. My head is a member of my body. My foot is a member of my body. So there are members that come together to make up our body, and that's, and that's what we're seeing here in this figure of speech. It's this body that is the body of Christ, and where Christ is the head, and we make up the members of that body, we make up the parts of the body. So it's, it's, it's so important that you understand that while Jesus Christ and the church are not identical, they are inseparable. Okay, it, 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 the, the, They're inseparable. The church, the body of Christ, and Christ himself, they're not the same. They're not identical, but they're, they're, they are inseparable. Just like the bride and the groom are inseparable. The foundation and the building go together. The head and the body go together. You know, it's kind of popular today when we hear people say, people say, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't believe in organized churches. Or they say, Jesus, yes, but church, no. Um, you know what? People, and, and they'll say those things and they don't attend. But Scripture tells us and makes it very clear in Hebrews 10, 25, for us as believers, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? We are to gather together. Uh, COVID was such a detrimental thing. Um, the, the, the studies are coming out now and they're seeing the, the problems that people had emotionally a lot of the problems that even physically they had wasn't because of having COVID. So much of it was from being isolated, being shut down. There are, there are children, the, the, the suicide rates and depression have gone through the roof. And it's not just in America, it's in other countries. And it's in countries where people were shut in and shut down. Now, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just speaking off the top of my head. I guarantee you right now, if we did research of the way Florida youth have responded versus, say, California or New York, how those youth have responded, you would see a drastic difference in the mental health in those areas based simply on that fact that people weren't isolated. Folks, we as the body of Christ, we can't isolate. We are the body. We are meant to be together, and Scripture makes it very clear that we need to assemble ourselves together. So look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And here we're going to understand something about the church and our place in it, okay? Verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So all the members, when you look around today, all the members that make up the body, all of the born-again believers make up the body, but they are one body, and so also is Christ. Christ, the body of Christ, is many members, one body. So this is the body of Christ. Now, now here's what I want you to get today, okay? So if, if you're going to get one thing, here's what I want you to get, that you are somebody in his body. If you are saved, if you are a born-again believer, look, if you're not a Christian, then, then the only thing that will matter is getting you into the body. That's what he desires. That's what we would desire. Our church this morning would say, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, forsake all else and get to Christ. That's what we would desire in your life is that you come to faith in Christ. But understand this, you are somebody in his body. You, you are important to Jesus, and therefore, you are important to his church. And, and don't miss this. The church is vitally important to you. We need the church. The church needs you. You see, there is a mutual benefit. There's a mutual need there. There's a mutual dependence there. We need the body, and the body needs us, okay? So let, let's, let's pray again 
as we begin this, uh, this part of our service. Lord, I just, I just pray this morning, and, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would write that on our hearts, that we are somebody in your body. God, that we are important to you. Any person in here, even this morning, who thinks I, I'm insignificant, I don't matter to Jesus, I don't matter, I'm so small, it doesn't matter. Lord, we understand you died for each one of us. And if it had only been us, you would have died for us. So Lord, may we not, may we not profane, may we not speak just absolute foolishness in saying that you don't love us, you don't care for us. Lord, we're important to you. And each one of us, as a... As a as your creation, Lord, you desire that each one would come to saving faith in you. And you would be, we would become a part of the body. And then those, Lord, all of us that are born again, we are in the body. Lord, help us to understand this morning that we are important to you. And uh, we're important making a part of being a part of your body. And, uh, and God, you love us and you want us in that body. And the body is important for us for fellowship. So Lord, just speak to our hearts this morning and reveal to us these truths uh, about the body of Christ. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one I want to make this morning is this. We want to look at the birth of the body. So if there's a body, there must be a birth. There's somewhere that starts. Verse 12 again says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. You know, every part of the body, every part is, is a part of the body. It's not, you know, my hand is not the body. My hand is the hand. But my hand is a part of the body. Okay, my arm is not the body. If, if, and the scriptures are going to talk about this, but if every, if my body was just a hand, if I was just a big hand, there would be no sight, there'd be no smell, there'd be no taste, there'd be no hearing, there'd be no talking, would not be a body, it'd just be a big old ugly gross looking hand up here, okay? So it, that, that when we're talking about the body, there are many members, there are many parts of that, and we think about that with our own body, all the parts that make up our body, but it is one body, Okay. Verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So we're, we're seeing right here how this works and how God puts together the body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So I want us to think of the church as the body of Christ, and I want you to look first at the birth of the body. I want you to understand that the church is the mystical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the sovereign head of his body, which is the church. Okay, so he is the head. He, he, w w the church is his mystical body. Now, does the Lord have a body? Absolutely. The Lord still is in the body of his human flesh, in, his, in the glorified flesh, in his glorified body. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in that body. Now, when we talk about the body of Christ, it's his mystical body of Christ is made up of all believers. This scripture tells us here how that comes together. So think about how the church began. Again, verse 13 says it this way. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Do, do you know what that day was? If we're talking about what day was the, the church birth, what day was that? It's the day of Pentecost, and we see it right here. Who baptized us into the body of Christ? Who did that? Who baptized us into the body of Christ? The Holy Spirit. 
for by one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. We have all been baptized. That means we've been immersed. We've been placed into the body of Christ. It was, it's the Holy Spirit that does that. So, so who is the baptizer, right? Who's the baptizer? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes. Now, who, who's the one being baptized? Who's baptized in this? The believer. Jason, very good. Uh, it is all of us if we're all of us are believers. So when, when we believe, we're the ones that are being baptized into the body of Christ. So uh, I just answered that. But my next question here is into what is that believer baptized? And it is into the body of Christ. So when, when, when was that person baptized? At salvation. When a person is born again, at the, at the moment that he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, that very instance of his salvation, the, baptizer, the, the, the Holy Spirit baptizes them into the body of Christ. They are, they are brought into the body of Christ. So the baptism, the baptism into the body of Christ is not something optional. It's not like some, some believers are baptized in and some are not. It's, it's not that. There are believers who have never been scripturally baptized by water. There are some that just haven't followed the Lord yet to that, to that point and done that. But, but notice this, that for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So if you are a born again believer, you have been baptized into the body. Now, every now and then somebody will say this, uh, if you've, if you've been around Folks that believe a certain way, they'll ask you this. Have you, ever, have you ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Anybody ever been asked that question? I have. You've been asked that question. And what they're asking is, have you been baptized of the Holy Spirit? You were saved, but now have you been baptized? And typically that what would come behind that is, so have you spoken in tongues to evidence that, you've been, that you, you're truly in the body of Christ? That's typically where that's going. Here's what I want you to understand. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and somebody asks you that question, there's your answer. Yes. Yes, I have been baptized. I have been baptized by the Holy Ghost. I was baptized by the Holy Ghost when I was born again. I was baptized into the body of Christ when I was born again at the moment of my salvation. Now, there's not one command. Listen, listen. There's not one command in the New Testament that I know of that ever tells a born-again believer to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not one. Now, the Scriptures tell us this, that we as believers, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am to walk in the Spirit that I not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if I'm filled with the Spirit, if, if I'm filled with the Spirit, then the, the Spirit of God is moving in me and moving, working in my life and then works through my life. It's when, when I'm not filled with the Spirit, it's when I'm filled with me. When I got a whole lot of me going on and not a whole lot of Spirit going on, that we have problems. But we're told to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a command there. It's interesting, this side note, but that, that, that passage comes right before dealing with marriage. Right before the passages that the Lord talks about marriage. Women, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And, and you go, how can you do it if you ain't spirit-filled? Amen? I mean, you, you can't. As wonderful, as wonderful, folks, as I am. As wonderful as I am. If Gina's not spirit-filled, she's going to have a hard time putting up with me. I promise you. 
Okay, so I'm, I praise the Lord, she's spirit-filled, and, and for a whole lot of years, she has stuck with me. So the baptizer is the Holy Spirit. The one who is baptized is the believer. He is baptized when he receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he is baptized, he is placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Now, the, 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 understand as we're talking about the body, we're talking about this being placed in the body and different parts of the body, is we're still talking about spiritual gifts. Last week we talked about the gifts that the Holy Spirit chooses to give us at salvation. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit of God comes into us, right? And at salvation, the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit of God comes in us. The Holy Spirit of God places us into the body of Christ, this mystical body of Christ. Now, now, baptism, you need to understand this. Baptism in the Bible is spoken of both physically and spiritually, okay? They're both, they're both talk about. Now, physical baptism takes place in water. We saw that last Sunday morning. We're going to see it again, I believe, next Sunday morning. And that's where we immerse people in water as a public profession of their faith. It, it, it would be very clear here. It is not water baptism that puts you in the body of Christ. We say that enough. I think our church gets it, understands that. There, there is no, listen, if you never, ever, ever, you get saved, you never, ever, ever get baptized. Now I'll say this, you're in, obe you're in disobedience to what God would have you do. But that has nothing to do with whether you are saved or not. Baptism does not, baptism with water does not save you. Baptism of the Holy Spirit at salvation is what happens. So it is a spiritual baptism that puts you into the body of Christ. Again, verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Sometimes people want to tell you that water baptism is necessary for salvation. That's ridiculous. Number one, I mean, there's a lot of cases. I'm not going to make the whole case here, but there's a whole lot to this. Number one, we know that the thief on the cross, the Lord said, today you will be with me in paradise, right? The Lord told him that. This man was born again. There on the cross was that man baptized. So does God just make an exception? Well, God knew if he wasn't hanging on a cross, he would have been baptized by water, and therefore he places that upon him. Hogwash. Quote, quote a, a, a former member of our church. Hogwash. Hogwash. You don't have to get baptized. You can get dunked every day from now till Jesus comes back. And it has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. That is simply by you placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 2 8 says, For by grace, folks, we are saved by God's grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. It has nothing to do with works, lest anyone should boast. Folks, I've had people question about whether you know, we, can, we can lose our salvation. Maybe if there's something we do. Look, if I can lose my salvation based on my works, then I probably got my salvation based on my works. And what does Scripture tell us? Salvation is not of works. Okay? So I don't get my salvation based on my works. I don't lose my salvation based on my works. Look, if I go crazy, I go off the rails, I refute Christ, I turn from him, I say there's none of that stuff's real. The, 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 the real thing is not so much that I've lost my salvation. It would probably more likely be I've never had salvation. I've never truly been born again. So we're Baptist. I believe absolutely all my heart. Once saved, always saved. I believe that. I believe when you're born again, you're born again. There is no born again, now you're lost. Born again, now you're lost. It's interesting, people who believe you can lose salvation, I've never met a single one of them who's ever lost their salvation. 
Not a single one. So everybody else's sin that could lose their salvation must be worse than theirs. I'm telling you, if you could lose salvation, I would have lost salvation. Amen? Anybody else in here with me on that? If you could lose it, I would have lost it. So that's not how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, having faith that God raised him from the dead. It takes faith to believe a man rose from the dead, okay? The Bible says if you believe, if you confess and you believe, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 there says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's, a, there's not a verse in there that says you got to be baptized in order to go to heaven, okay? Salvation is by grace through faith. Water baptism is the symbol, the representation of that spirit baptism that places us into the body of Christ. That's all it is. It's a public profession. It's so you can see what I believe, okay? This ring says, this ring says to you, what? I'm married. It says that I'm married. Now, if I'm not married and I put a ring on my finger, am I married? Nope. So the, the, the symbol doesn't make me married. The symbol just reflects what's, what the, the commitment I've made in my heart. I wear that outwardly to tell you about the commitment I've made in my heart. And I can lie to you. I can put a ring on. I can act like I'm, I'm married and not be married. Okay, somebody can go up here and get baptized. You don't save them. They can go up here and get baptized. Well, they can go up here and get dunked and not really be born again. That has nothing to do with their salvation. It has to do with responding to their salvation. You with me? Okay. Now, if by one spirit we're baptized into one body, then that means that the church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It means that we're alive. We're, we're, we're not just some institution. We're alive. We are an organism. The Holy Spirit of God puts us into the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God is in us. So the church is not an organization like, I mean, there's so many organizations out there. There's Kiwanis and Rotary and whatever else, and I don't have anything against those things. But, folks, we're different than that. We're not an organization. We have been placed by the Holy Spirit of God into the body of Christ, and we share the life of Christ. You with me? Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the corporate spirit of our church. All right, so think about this. If we, if we had the body without the spirit, we'd be a corpse. So if there's a, a body, so to speak, of, of believers. Now listen, there are churches in America that call themselves churches that gather together that do not have the Spirit of God. They're not preaching, thus saith the Lord. They're not preaching grace by faith, uh, salvation by grace through faith. They're not preaching that. They're not preaching Jesus Christ. They're resting in something else, and they do not have the Spirit of God. And what you have then is a corpse. You have a dead body. Amen? We have that. Um, But on the other hand, if you have the Spirit without the body, then there's only a ghost. There's the, the, the Holy Spirit. But the church is a body indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's the birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost took all those disciples and baptized them into one body. And since that day, every believer is added by the Holy Spirit to that one body, which is the church. And we, if we're born again, are part of that body. Got it? We good? Check. All right. Point two. 
So first we got the birth of the body. Now here's the second, which is this. We have the business of the body. So what's the business? Why did, why did God do this? What is our business? What is the business of the church? Well, I'm going to say this. We have a singular purpose. There is a singular purpose we have. That we're, going to, we're going to hopefully help you understand this as we go. So what is that? Let's look at verses 14 through 20. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Well, my foot can go to sleep. It can, you know, it can, I can get neuropathy or whatever. It can just stop working, but it's still part of the body. It may not be doing its job, but it's still part of the body. And the foot says, just because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Is it a part of the body? Please say something so I can put my leg down. Okay. All right. So the foot is still, it's still, whether it wants to acknowledge it or not, he thinks, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hand. I don't have that job, so I'm not really a part of the body. Okay. He's still a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye. I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, it's still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But God, but now God who has set, listen, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So the body has been put together by the Holy Spirit of God just how the Lord wants it. That's his business. It's his business. The gifts that we receive at our salvation, that's his business. The gift he gives you is his business. The gifts are gifts he gives you. You talked about that last week. We're We're not to be comparing ourselves with others or worrying about somebody else. We're to worry about us. This is the gift God's given me. I need to find how to exercise that gift, use that gift for God's glory. That's what we're to do. God made the decision what gifts to give you. God's made the decision where to place you in the body. And if, they're, uh, if they were all one member, where would, be the, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. Many, many members, one body, and we call that unity in diversity. There's unity in the body. And there's unity because there is diversity. This is not uh, university. It's not universality. It's not everybody the same. I'm thankful as I look out. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, the one regret I do have, I love our church. I love our community. I do. But there's a regret I have. We lack, we lack some, 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 uh, some seasoning. We lack some flavor, okay? Because if you look around, we look a lot alike right here. And uh, I, I, I would love to see some, some diversity, some more diversity in our church, Amen. Now, I understand we're reaching our community. We look a lot like our community. But uh, um, now I'll just say this. If we had a black family that came in and loved the Lord and wanted to join, I'd praise God for that. And the Hispanic family and Chinese family and, 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 and Ukrainians, I don't care, whoever. They come in, want to be a part of this body. I, I, would, I would celebrate that. If you would not celebrate that, you'd have a problem with that. You're going to have a problem in this church. Okay. Because I, I, I'm, I, and if I ever found out this was a racist church, I wouldn't pastor a racist church. Okay? You'll change or I'll be gone, one or the other. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> I want to see, see more flavor, more variety. But we have unity. We have unity because of our diversity. Just like our body can have unity and there's all this diversity within my body to make the body. God has many members in his body. You know, there's, there's 
I want to look at it this morning. There's probably over 150 of us in here this morning. And while, you know, we're many members, uh, we all have, uh, um, we don't have multiple agendas. There's many members. There's one agenda, okay? Not, not two agendas, not 10 agendas, not 150 plus agendas. There's one agenda this morning. And whose agenda is that? It's the agenda of the head. The head decides. All members of the body are to be committed to one agenda, and that is whatever the head says to do, right? So, you know, if you have a healthy body, you know, a healthy body is a body that is coordinated, where the members learn to work together at the direction of the head. Okay, you have to be following the head. Now, we, we, there's, a, there's so many illustrations we could use. When things start misfiring with our head, then our bodies misfire. When there are diseases and things that happen, and we can see that, and there's problems in the body that then affect the body, and then the body responds in the wrong way because it's got mixed signals or something's not happening. But when everything is healthy, the body listens to and responds to the head. When all the members learn to work together at the direction of the head, that means that we're organized. We have, we have organs, right? We have organs, and we're organized. We have lungs, we have a liver, we have spleen, we have hands and feet and eyes and ears, and all of these things, they all work together in coordination because they are organized, because God created that way. Um, so, but, but when your body gets disorganized, then you're sick and you have, you have problems then. That's when we start having these problems, when our, when our back doesn't function the way it's supposed to. It's creating problems for the whole body. Um, when your body is organized and it's working together and the members are not working against one another but for one another, then things are going well. All right, uh, is that true? Is it, Holly, you got that video ready? I want, you, I want you to see this video. This is kind of an illustration of what happens when the body ain't working together the way it's supposed to. I've seen it several times. I'm still amazed by that. We finally found a dog that's crazier than our dog. But that, that's, a picture, that's a picture of the body that ain't functioning right. I mean, really, that, that's what it is. That, I mean, this, this dog thinks that foot's going to come eat the bone. This is crazy. And the foot's up there trying to get the bone. It's, the foot's trying to be the mouth. And, and it, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. But we laugh at that, but folks, that's kind of what the body of Christ looks like when we're not functioning in unity, when we're not doing what it is God has called and created us to do, when we don't like what we are and we want to be something else or we want to put down somebody else or we want to work against what they're doing when we have a problem with what God has done. So uh, somebody said that good organization is like good digestion. When it's working right, you never notice it. And when it's not working right, it's the only thing you can notice. And I would say that there's a lot of truth to that. Look, in church, when things are going right, man, it's, there's peace. I like peace. I don't like problems. I don't like, I don't like fights. I don't like content. I hate contention. I hate confrontation. I hate those things. 
And, but, but yet sometimes we have those and we don't want those. We want the church to function in peace. And so much of that comes when we do and we function within what God, the way he has created us and how he has gifted us and where he has put us. When we do that and we're submitted to the head, then we, we can get along great. So a church, is, 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 a church that is operating under the leadership of the head is going to be organized. You know, have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I'm against organized religion? We've heard people say, I've heard it. I'm not, I don't like organized religion. Um, that's not very bright. It's not a very bright statement, and it's not scriptural at all. It's not at all scriptural. As a matter of fact, the whole chapter that we're reading right now teaches that God has put us together as, a, as an organized organism, but we have a singular purpose in all of our diversity, and that is to follow the leadership of the head. Now, the members of the body of this body cannot go off on their own, right? So let, let me think about my body for a moment. I may think, you know, my hand, my hand is very talented and so I'm and very gifted. So I'm going to let my hand go off and just do its own thing. It's got its own mission today. I'm going over here. My hand's going over there. Now, that would be crazy, right? How many of you remember the Adams family? <laughs> remember hand? Now, that, that's weird. I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, that is really weird. But was it thing or hand? What was it? Thing? Yeah, it was thing. So he, he crawls around and does his own thing. That's not how this works. So let, let, let me ask you to do something. So, um... It's important, if we're going to be significant in the body, we stay connected to the body. I want you to raise your hands. Y'all raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. Let's see your hands. Now look around. Look around at the hands. Anybody disgusted by that? Anybody think that's gross? That, oh, gross. Hands. Somebody may have that. Somebody may go, oh, wow, hands. They're really cool. I don't know. But you see the hands, right? Now, that, that, anybody freaked out by that? No. But if you walked in and there were some hands laying on the floor... That'd be different, wouldn't it? You'd be like, whoa, whoa, we've got something going on. You know, that would be a problem because the problem is the hand that isn't a part of the body. So if you looked around and you get those hands on the floor, that's disgusting. We'd be disgusted by that. Um, yeah, that wouldn't be. You know, these hands are not disgusting. Hands like that, they're useless. They're unattractive. They're gross. I mean, it would just be gross. We're, we're, we're um, members of one another, and as we function in the body under the head, we have a significant, or, or, or a significant, but we have a singular purpose. And that means that we're to work together, okay? We're to work together. Not like that dog. That's not how we should look. We should work together. If my ministry causes difficulty to your ministry or your ministry causes difficulty for my ministry, then one of us is wrong or perhaps both of us are wrong. But, but we should be in unity when we're doing what the head tells us to do. So when this hand is properly related to the head and this hand is properly related to the head, you know what's going to happen? These two are going to get along. They're going to be doing the right things because they're in submission to the head. The head's in charge. Head says this is doing this, this is doing this. There's going to be unity between the two. They're not going to be trying to creep up and steal. You know, they're not going to be doing what that dog's doing. They're, they're, we, when, we, when we're doing what God would have us to do, we have a singular purpose. And the body of Christ has a singular purpose. That is to follow the leader, to follow the head, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of the body? Now, physically, think about this. What is the purpose of your body? What is the purpose of my body? Well, the purpose of my body is to serve me. Make sense? You're going, I don't... So the purpose of my body is to serve me. Now, understand this. I am not my body. Okay, you know, 
My body serves me. I'm on the inside of this body. I always think about it like the little, the little, some of the little cartoons where the alien came down and the alien would be in the head of some other thing and the head would pop open. I think it was the movie, what was that? Men in Black, okay? And they open it, the head pops open. There's a little bitty alien in the head of it and he's controlling the mechanisms of it. That's who's controlling that body, okay? Is that head. The head controls the body. Now, I am not my body. I'm not my body. My body serves me. I'm on the inside and I'm giving directions to my body. Now, if a man begins to serve his body, that's dangerous because when we serve our body, when we're following our body, then we're out of control. So our body is there to serve us. And, and so that tells us that as a church, we're not here to do things. Now, hear this. Here's what we think often. We're here to do things for Jesus. That's not how this works. Okay, My body is not here to do things for me. My body is to serve me at my direction. I, I say I want to walk over to the door. Then my body responds. I say put my hand up and open the door. My body responds. My body is here to serve me. I'm on the inside of this. So what I mean by that is this. Jesus is here to be doing things through us. He is the head. He tells us what to do. He tells us when to do it. He tells us how to do it. I'm not just here to, at my own intelligence and my own wisdom, to do what I think I ought to do for the Lord. I am here to do what the Lord tells me to do for Him. Does that make sense? That's being the body. So we're the body of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Central Florida. We're, we're His body, and we have a singular purpose. This is the business of the church, which is simply to obey the head and do what the head wants us to do. Now, now how, do you, how do you know me? How do you know this man that's here named Conrad? How do you know me? Um, I'll tell you this. It's only possible for you to know me by, by what my body reveals to you. So there, there's really no other way, okay? You can't, you can't know what I think. You can't look inside me. You can't read my mind. You can't see my heart. So you, you, don't, you don't know me short of what my body reveals to you about me. So the only thing you know about me is what my body does. So if I smile, if I smile, you say, he's either happy or that's fake, whatever it is. Okay, I smile. But if I'm like this, he, man, that dude's mean. John, where you at, John? Me and John, we have to, we have to work on our resting faces. As we've been told we have angry resting faces. I, I know this. I know this. I'm in, I'm in, I can be intense, okay? And so when I would sit in a congregation, here's what I realized when I started preaching, is faces were important. And you can look out to somebody, and they'd be sitting there. And I'd be like, Man, what's their, what is going on with them? And, and then I find out they're just super intense. So I realize that what I do when I'm sitting and listening intently is I sit like that. And I furrow my brow. And I'm looking. And somebody looking out at me be like, man, what in the world would I say to make him mad? He's mad as a hornet. What is that about? And the whole time I'm just listening. I'm intense. So, but, but, but all you know about me, because you don't know, you can't see my mind. You can't see my thoughts. So it's about what I say to you. 
It's by, by what I might write. You can hear my words. You can read my thoughts as I write those things. If I'm acting or fighting or laughing or leaping or dancing, whatever it is, you know me through my body, right? So it's through my body that you know me. So what is the purpose of my body? The purpose of my body is to serve me. It's to serve me and it is to declare me. It is to make me known to you. It is to let you know my body is here so you can know who, who I am and what I'm, what I'm thinking, what's on my mind. So it is to serve me and to declare me. And what's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church, the body of Christ, is to serve Jesus and to declare Jesus. Amen? Do you know that uh, Geneva, do you, do you know what Geneva knows about, about Jesus? Geneva can only know about Jesus what Geneva sees in his body. It's only what we, the body of Christ, reveal to Geneva that they'll know about Jesus. Because we're his body. So I mean that, that this is the way Geneva is to know Jesus, is through the body, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you see, Jesus is the invisible part of the visible body, and the body is the visible part of the invisible Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has baptized us into the body of Christ, so the business of the body is to, to manifest the life of Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of the body. So we are baptized at salvation. We are baptized into the body of Christ. We make up the body of Christ. And then what is our role? Our role is to serve Him. We are to serve Him and to declare Him. It, it is to make Him known as He uses us how He sees fit. Now, when we don't want to do what He wants us to do, then we don't allow Him to use us to make Himself known. We shut that down. All right. Um, move real quick here. Point number three is this, the bonding of the body. The bonding of the body. So we've had the birth. We've got the business of the body. And uh, now we're going to look at verse 15 and 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No part of the body, no part of the body, if it is truly a part of the body, no part of the body can function as it ought apart from the other parts. So if, if somebody's not, you know, if, if I, I can't properly function if I'm not in the body, if I, if I pull away from the body, and if the parts of the body aren't functioning together, there's a problem. Now, feet and hands are different, right? We, already, we saw the hands. Hands are different. Now, generally, we keep our feet covered. Generally, we don't keep our, our hands covered. We keep our hands uncovered. Generally, we decorate our hands. We put, you know, we put... I don't like jewelry. I wear a ring for obvious reasons, but I don't like to wear a watch. I don't wear a necklace. I just don't like, I don't like that. Some people like, they'll have a ring on every finger. And so we'll decorate our fingers and stuff. We'll do that. We'll, we'll wear bracelets. We, we, we decorate our hands. We don't tend to do that as much with our feet. Now, there may be somebody in here who's got a toe ring on. There may be some of you that have that. Don't be pulling your shoes off to show us or whatever. But, but some of you do. Generally, that's not what we do. Some of you do, and that's okay. But generally, we don't, we don't decorate up our toes that way. But can I tell you this? Our feet are just as important as our hands. Our feet are just as necessary, just as important as, as our hands are. We treat them, they are treated different. Our eyes are often spoken of poetically. 
You know, a lot of poems are written about eyes. A lot of things, we talk about it poetically. They're, they're, they're called the mirror of the soul. You know, and some people have absolutely beautiful eyes. There are some pictures that have been made of, of kids around the world or people around the world. There's one in particular, this, this uh, it looked like she's probably in an Asian country or something. She had the brightest blue eyes. I mean, like ice blue. Everybody has seen that. If I showed the picture, I wish I'd have thought to do that, to show you that picture because her eyes are just I mean, it's just amazing. You're just mesmerized. My eyes are beautiful. But if you, if you got up in the morning and you open your drawer where you keep your t- toothbrush and toothpaste, and you open that drawer and there were some eyeballs rolling around in there, <laughs> that's not so beautiful, is it? It's not so beautiful. So that, that then, that's creepy and it's gross and it's scary and all those things. So it's a part of the, the body, the body working together, the body functioning together, doing its part. Every part has a part to play. That dog's mouth chewing on a bone. The foot is getting benefit of that. It doesn't need to come up and try to steal the bone. It can't do anything with the bone if it gets a hold to it. And that's where we come in. We as the body, we each have a part to play. We each have a role to play. And as the body is working together, as it's doing different things. So God made us different. Listen, he made us different that he could make us one. If we're all an eyeball, we don't have a body. We're just an eyeball. But when you have an eyeball and you have hearing, you have the ears, you have hearing, you have taste, you have, you have you, you know, uh, you got hair, you got the skin, you got the organs inside, you got all these things. When everything is working together, it creates one. It makes the body. And now we can function and we can do different things. This part eats for nourishment. This part speaks to communicate. This part sees to, to bring in information. All, everything has its role in the body. It's so important that we, we work together that way. And, and it's, it's so important that the body works together. You know, I've heard people say they love Jesus and hate the church. What, what a, uh, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. That's a, that's a problem statement. How can you love, you say you love Jesus and yet you don't love what he loves. He loves the body. It's his body. He created it. He put it together just as he sees fit. It's important we be a part of this. He's made us different to make us one. Um, it's necessary. It's necessary we work together. Verse 22, no, uh, no much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unrepresentable uh, parts have greater modesty. So what does that mean? Well, I'm sure in kids' classes sometimes we've probably talked to kids about, what are you thankful for? And you t- tell kids and you get kids to think, are you thankful for your eyes? You ever done that with kids? Are you, thank, are you thankful for that you can hear? Are you thankful that you can taste? We're always, how many of you have ever said, all right, are you thankful for your lungs? Are you thankful for your spleen? All right, thank God now. Thank God for your spleen. And kids are going, what? Yeah, I'm what? So that's what we're talking about here. You know, these, my organs inside, you don't see those. But, but man, your heart start messing up. You got problems. Your, your uh, pancreas start messing up. You know it real quick, Okay. If, if your gallbladder, anybody have gallbladder issues? Anybody in here? You know it when you got gallbladder, don't you? It tells the whole body knows it. So there's this, there's this unity in this, and, and so we should be thankful for all these things. Verse 25 says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the, body, that the members should have the same care for one another. So if we don't take care of our bodies, look, we're sick. And each part of the body should take care of the other parts of the body. 
I was thinking about, as, as I was reading this, I was thinking about Gina's thyroid. Her thyroid seemed to be functioning right, but it had a, a mass that was growing on it. So there was, there was a problem in the body. And so we had to, man, when that thing flared up and it stopped working probably, it had to come out. It had to, they had to get that thing out of there. So the, the, we go in and the surgeon has to do surgery. And you know what the rest of the body did? When that part of the body hurt, the rest of the body stayed up with her all night. Stayed up and gave comfort. And as it got well, the rest of the body rejoiced that it was getting well. And when it was completely well, man, it was, it was happy that it felt better. Because when we hurt, if your toe hurts, your whole body hurts, right? So when, when one part of the body hurts, we ought to all hurt. When one part of the part, body has something great, we should rejoice. We should all rejoice together. Man, it, there's, there should be unity in this in the body. We, we are a part of the body. We work together. So that's what the Bible says. Look again at verse 25. That there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We're here to minister to one another. And in a loving church, uh, you know, we're members of the same body. So there should be no arrogance. There should be no envy. There should be no rivalry. There should be no self-sufficiency. There should be no disunity because disunity and rivalry and self-sufficiency and envy are disloyalty to the head, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, loyalty to the head means loyalty to one another. If I'm going to be loyal to him, I'm going to be loyal to, to each other. And we should look out for one another. We should care for one another. We should rejoice. Somebody gets a, job, a different job, man, they can spend more time with their family. We all rejoice with that. When they rejoice, we rejoice. When they're in pain, we're in pain. Okay, we need to share in those things. So I want to read some verses. I'm not going to give you the address on it. I'm going to read them real quick. But I want to make a point here about what the scriptures tell us about the one another's. So it says, scriptures tell us, wash one another's feet, prefer one another, be of the same mind one toward another, do not judge one another, do not speak evil one of another, edify one another, receive one another, admonish one another, care for one another, minister gifts one to another, greet one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, submit one to another, comfort one another, Exhort one another, consider one another, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, use hospitality one to another, fellowship with one another. Now, do you think God's trying to tell us something? Church, I think he's telling us that we need one another. We need one another. Verse 13 again says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, as I'm I'm done. I'm going I'm to give you three things real quick. At the very bottom of your page, if you've got the notes there, three things I want, I want you to take away from this. Is, is, first is this, accept yourself. Now, I don't mean, you know, you're in sin and you don't just accept yourself where you're at and just, no, no, no. You need to come to the Lord and let him do. But here's what I'm saying. Verse 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. He did it. He did it. He's put you where he's put you. He's made you the way he made you. You are what he wants you to be. Now, you need to be the best you you can be, but you need to accept who you are in Christ. And whatever gifting he's given you, use that for him. That's his business. Your business is to do what he's created you to do. 
So, you know, I don't know where he puts you in the body. Maybe he made you a shoulder in the body so that you can bear somebody else's burden. Maybe he made you an ear so that you can listen. Maybe he made you a heart so you can love. Maybe he made you a hand so that you can help. Maybe he made you a mouth so that you can speak. Just accept the gifts that God gave you. Accept those. Quit worrying about being something you're not. Quit worrying about being somebody you're not. You be you. Accept you that God has created. Amen? So accept yourself. But then the second thing is you got to be yourself. Don't try to imitate other people. And it's one thing to, you know, wish you, you know, to, to go, man, I wish I had what they had. That's one thing. It's another thing when you try to be somebody else and act like somebody else. You know, when I first started preaching, I'd listen to other preachers, you know, preach. And I remember hearing my pastor and I'd think, you know, I want to be like him. And then I hear Billy Graham preach. Oh, man, I... I he was a good comedian. I'd like to be like him. And I heard Adrian Rogers preach. I said, boy, I'd like to be like him. And then I heard Tony Evans on the radio. And I said, man, I'd like to be like him. And then I heard Joel Osteen preach. And I said, I don't want to be like him. Amen. But, here's what I dis- <laughs> but here's what I discovered. All I can be is an imitation of somebody else. And imitations are never really good. I, I can't be a good somebody else. But I have figured out that I can be a pretty good Conrad Westbrook. As inadequate as that may be. But ain't nobody else can be a real good Conrad Westbrook. But I can do Conrad. I can do that. I can be me. And uh, that's what we need to do. Nobody can be you but you. So God made you unique. So accept you and be you. And then the third thing is give yourself. Um, the parts of the body must give to live, right? If my heart just decides it's done, I've, I've had enough of you, I am, I'm, I'm out of here. If my heart decides he's done, I'm done, right? So we got to give to live. The lungs have to give, the liver has to give, the spleen has to give, the marrow has to give. All the body gives, and as the body gives, it receives. As we... As we work together, as we serve each other, we're served. So we help each other, we're helped because it is one body. So find your place in the body. Find your ministry in the church. I don't know what your ministry is. I don't, I don't know how God has put you together. Um, and what God has called you to do may not be significant in the eyes of men. But to think back on verse 18 again. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Amen? Pastor Aaron? So they're coming forward. When's the birth? What's the birth of the body? When we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit places us in the body of Christ. What's the business of the body? The business of the body is to obey the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the bonding of the body? Is that God made us different, that he might make us one. We all have a part to play. Let's play that part. Man, this morning, this morning, you may go, Pastor, I've heard what you've said. I've heard the gospel. You've heard the gospel this morning. You've heard it in the message. You heard it in my prayers this morning. If you've never trusted Christ, you've never realized I am a sinner and I am lost in my sin. The Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And the only hope that we have is through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would make us alive, that He would give us new life. And that comes when we place our faith in Him. We confess ourselves a sinner. 
We acknowledge when we realize I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't work my way there. I can't religion my way there. I can't baptism my way there. I can't church membership my way there. I can't do it. The only way is through a personal relationship with Christ. When I realize that and I turn to Christ, when I repent and I turn to Him, I confess my sin and I call on the name of the Lord for salvation. He comes in and He baptizes me into the body of Christ. And if you've never been born again, I pray the Holy Spirit of God burdens you right now, reveals to you that I'm lost. I pray you'd respond. And we're going to have an invitation in just a moment. We're going to, the band's going to sing. And uh, we just ask you to step out. Step, come down here. Talk to me. I'd love to take the scriptures and just introduce you to Jesus this morning. Christian, maybe, maybe you just haven't responded to what God's doing in your life. Maybe you've been resistant. You're part of the body. You have a part in the body. You have a role to play in the body. If you're not doing it, something's not getting done. Maybe this morning you just need to talk to the Lord and, and say, Lord, I haven't. I haven't done what you want me to do. But I'm going to do what you want me to do. As we stand, we'll pray and... and uh, and then, and then I invite you to come. Stand with us as we begin. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you...